Thank you for checking out the Real Life Columbus podcast. Real Life Columbus is a student ministry of North Highland Church in Columbus, Georgia. We exist to help students know that Christ has reached down to us with love, provide a place students can be engaged in community, and help them advance in their faith so they can lead others to Christ. For more information or to connect with us, please visit our website, www.realifecolumbus.com, or check us out on social media at Real Life Columbus. we come to you right now in the powerful, mighty, majestic, the strong name of Jesus. God, we come to you not downtrodden or or brokenhearted, but we come with hope. We come with expectation, knowing that you defeated death, hell, and the grave. God, we know that if you can do that, you can do anything. So God, with all the needs that are represented in this room right now, God, I pray that you would begin right now in this moment to meet every need according to your riches and glory. God, I pray that hope would begin to flow from the front to the back, from the left to the right. God, I pray that a a hope of glory would begin to well up within our hearts. God, we've been singing about your victory. God, we don't just want to sing about victory. We want to live in victory. We want to live and walk it out with your freedom. God, you have died and you've rose again. It is for freedom that you have set us free. So God, this morning we come to you with thanksgiving in our hearts, with joy, with praise and adoration to the one true God. But Lord, we ask that you would step in to the situations that seem helpless. We ask that you would step into the needs that seem unmeetable. God, we ask that you would reach in and give us hope to trust you with hearts of faith. God, help us not to see our circumstances for what they are, but help us to see them through your eyes, through what not we can do, but through what you can do in us and through us. So God, this morning we love you. We invite you to change us forever. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Dear church, we are severely underselling Jesus' work on the cross and the miracle of the resurrection. We love to talk about his birth, his ministry here on the earth, but whenever it comes to his death, when all the breath was gone from his chest and he was left lying motionless as his mother wept, we kind of like to skip over this text. And because of that, we fail to realize what his resurrection actually meant, what it signifies for us today, for you right now. That it is through his resurrection, we know that life is stronger than death, love is stronger than hatred, hope is stronger than despair. We know the promise of eternal life is available to any of those who dare to cast away their burdens and cares and submit themselves to the one who none can compare. We know the resurrection fully renewed the relationship between you and your creator. That when the temple veil was ripped like a single piece of paper, the connection was restored between creation and its Lord. And not because of anything that we have done, 
it is all because of the death of his son. Because if Jesus hadn't died in our place, then we could never enter the pearly gates. We would never look upon his face. We would never have experienced the sweet, sweet taste of his love. You see, man couldn't fulfill the debt of sin, and God couldn't relate to fallen men. So Jesus had to pay the price that we couldn't. He had to live the life that we wouldn't. Upon that wooden cross, he died when he shouldn't, because it should have been you and me. Jesus took the burden away from every single person of having to perform to show that they're worthy. We can now know for certain that our future was determined on that cross. You see, we belonged on that cross, not him. We should have hung from that cross, not him. We deserve to be beaten and bruised, but not him because we have all rejected the truth, not him. That is why the cross is so important. That is why Easter shouldn't be ignored. Because whenever that stone rolled away, whenever Jesus walked out of that grave, he made it so that we would no longer be enslaved. That all of our sins had been weighed and have been placed upon that cross, upon that beautiful, beautiful cross. So during this Easter time, I ask that you reflect on the gift that we have all been given. Don't just go to church to fulfill a family tradition, but actively celebrate in the fact that he has risen and the fact that we have all been forgiven because what was meant for death brought life. Come on, that was incredible. Y'all can do better than that. Give it up for those guys. Praise God. Man, that, that makes me want to cry. I'm, I just got a little emotional, guys. I'm, come on now. That was awesome. God is so good to us. Amen? Let's pray. God, I thank you so much for the honor and the privilege of communicating your word this morning. God, we thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you for your blood that was shed. Lord, we thank you that the cross was not the end and that you rose from the grave for us. We love you this morning. May you open our ears to your gospel in a fresh and a new way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. Happy Easter, real life. Love you guys. You are incredible. And I love you. My wife loves you. Real life loves you. And most important of all, Jesus, the Son of God, loves you. His love is unfailing. His love is indescribable for you. He loves you beyond comprehension. It's amazing. It's hard to even believe how much he loves you. Today we celebrate the most incredible moment in history. It's an awesome, awesome experience to celebrate the resurrection, risen Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? The gospel of Jesus Christ is very simple. In John 3.16, and you, you witnessed it just a second ago. For God so loved you and I that he sent his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Amen? And verse 17 said, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but to save the world through him. That's an awesome follow-up to the to the well-memorized John 3.16. See, Jesus came and he overcame every temptation. Jesus came and he walked by the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Jesus lived a life of perfection. Jesus freely gave. Nobody took my God's life. The scripture is very clear that Jesus gave his life as a ransom. He submitted his spirit. It wasn't taken from him. It says, into your hands, Father God, I commit my spirit. He gave his life for us. It wasn't taken from him. And he did that to pay the penalty for you. The penalty that you and I all deserved. He took it for me. He took it for you. See, the cross was and is the greatest love story ever known. It's the greatest love story that has ever been told. See, it's the greatest love story is not the notebook, okay? Come on now. I, I've heard that they're making a part two to the notebook, and I'm sorry. It was just, that's not love. Jesus is love. The greatest love story is not your promposal, okay? You may be creative, and you may be blowing up balloons all day today just to make her feel special, but it's not your promposal. The greatest love story is the cross of Jesus Christ. The greatest love story is not my marriage, even though it's goals, okay? Come on now. We can have fun this morning. The greatest love story is, is Jesus Christ crucified for the sins of humanity. That's the greatest love story ever. Jesus loves you and I so very much. The depth of his love is incomparable to anything else. See, the cross expressed the most powerful form of love for you and for me. In John 15, verse 13, it says, The greatest love a person can show is to die for his friends. No one has a greater love than this, than to lay down one's life for one's friends. And the good news of the gospel is this, that on the third day, Jesus rose from the dead. On the third day, Jesus defeated death, sin, and the grave. On the third day, Jesus gave you and me access to heaven. That is good news this morning. Praise God. Praise God. And, and the, the other good news this morning is Scripture is very clear to us that the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is available for you and for me today. That power is available to us, and he wants us to freely live in that power. Amen? See, the forgiveness of God is available to everyone. It's your choice to accept it or to reject it. The, the forgiveness and the grace, the mercy is available to everyone, and, and it's our choice to accept it. The good news this Easter is that because of Jesus, even the guilty have a choice to be forgiven. Even the guilty get the choice to be forgiven. See, I was thinking about it. It's, it's sometimes hard because we are so flawed and we're so imperfect. Sometimes it's hard to relate to Jesus. Can, can we just be honest? I've, I've had a hard time, even as a pastor, to, to think of myself walking in the same shoes and doing the same things that my Lord and Savior has done because he is on one level and I'm way below it. And it's hard to, to put ourselves in his train of thought and thinking. And, and Jesus is perfect while we are flawed, right? Jesus was falsely accused, and we are guilty, right? So it's hard sometimes to relate to him. This Easter Sunday, I think we need to see the cross through the eyes of two people that we can relate to. And that's the thieves that hung on his left and his right. This morning, Jesus was hung between two thieves to show us two options. You will accept Jesus or despise him. The thieves show us there's no in-between, no middle ground. 
it's a perfect picture for us because we can't always put ourselves in line with him, but we can look at the two different thieves on Calvary's cross and say, you know what, I relate with them. The scripture, if you've got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 23. In verse 32, it says this, two other men, both were criminals, were also let out with Jesus to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there along with the criminals, on, one on his right, the other on his left. And Jesus said one of the most profound things ever spoken. He said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't even know what they're doing. The first truth I want you to understand from the thief's perspective is this. Consequences and correction have a unique way of revealing the condition of your heart. Consequences and correction, can we just be honest, it does not feel fun to be corrected, right? Consequences are even worse because correction is, is like, don't do that, Jonah. Come on now. Don't, don't let Debo make your proposal sign for you. Come on now. Oh, that's, that's a gentle correction, but a, but a, a uh, consequence is something we don't want to even deal with. Don't take my phone away, Mom, right? Don't ground me. I don't want consequences. I may have, I may have smarted off to you, Dad, but you better you let me go out Friday night. Come on now, right? Consequences and correction are never fun. I want to just share with you, I, I think I may have elaborated on this story before, but my sophomore year of high school, I was playing basketball with this, this guy, and it was, it was kind of my fault because I was showboating a little bit, making him feel embarrassed in front of all of his friends because um, I was just balling, you know, ball is life, ball every day. It was hard not to win because it was just, eat, all I do is win, and, and so that's that's what was happening, and um, I'm sorry. That's, that's the way it was. And, and so I am just lighting, kicking the tires and lighting the fires on the basketball court. Yeah, I'll just uh, let me stop there. I'll stop there. And this joker got really upset at me, and his pride welled up, and he, he just got up in my face. And gentlemen, have you ever had that happen where somebody thinks they're going to do something and they get up in your face and they're like, what are you going to do? What? Huh? You know, and ladies are all watching like, look at those immature little boys, and, right? And, and so that was what was happening. And, and the next moment I pushed him off because I'm like, get out of my face. And the next thing I knew is his fist was in my eyeball. And he sucker punched me right in the eye. Turn my eye black and blue. And the next moment uh, it hit my face, I, I, went, I went like this, and I'm like, because I was like that. It was not to that point, but he took it to that point. And I'm like, what in the world? And so my friends immediately jumped on me and grabbed me so I wouldn't retaliate because I was ticked at that point. My coach was there, and I wanted to kill him. But I, I'd like to say I turned the other cheek, but that really wasn't the case. And um, the, the thing about this story, my, my friends held me off. And can I be honest with you? I, I hoped, I hoped that this guy would get the punishment that he deserved. I really did. I wanted him to be an in-school suspension for the rest of the year. I wanted him to get the punishment he deserved. And, and this, this is the ironic thing about this story. Because I gave him a little shove... I was going to be punished the same way that he was. He, he 
punched me square in the eye and made my face look like a deformity. Okay? Black and blue for weeks, I walked down the hall with embarrassment that somebody had made my eye black, and I did nothing about it. And I wanted him to, to get what he deserved, but here's the deal. If, if he went to ISS, I went to ISS because I pushed him. And the thing about this story that I was, not being, I was not okay with being punished for something I did not do. And, and I was thinking about it, how it relates to this story. I was not willing to go into in-school suspension for this guy who lost his cool and turned my eye black and blue. I did not want to be associated with someone who deserved to be punished and removed from the student body. I was not willing to go there. But when we read the scripture and we read the story of Jesus Christ, we recognize very quickly that Jesus Christ not only was willing, but he did it for us. The world tried to discredit Jesus by association. Jesus, who was perfect, was connected to sin by being hung on a cross between two condemned men. He was hung and tried to be, they tried to connect him with, with the falseness of imperfection. Jesus was perfect and they hung him in between two condemned men. Not only was he willing to be associated with him, but Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Because they don't even know what they're doing. Not only was he willing to be associated, but he was willing to be punished. These words are so powerful. And I think we have to be reminded over and over of these powerful words because I think that we give up on forgiveness on the smallest things. Somebody says something, ladies, you're, you're walking down the hall or you're at lunch, you're in a classroom, and some girl gives you the stank eye, right? And you're like, who does she think she is, right? And the next thing you know, it's just, man, that girl just had a bad day, and she was just, maybe in the middle of class, she woke up from her scary dream and had drool on her face, and she's like, and it wasn't even personal, Right? Y'all done that before. And the next thing you know, you're looking at her and you're like, uh, let me just go ahead and block her from all social media. I hate that girl. And it was a look, right? And we're so quick to be unforgiving. We're so quick. Man, he, he messed up. He, he said you were fat. Oh, man. Don't, don't wear that anymore. No, that's not a good thing to say, gentlemen. Don't say that, okay? And we give up on forgiveness so quickly. Now, this morning, I recognize the issues and the drama and the struggle that we deal with on a regular basis is our reality. The, the things that we deal with that frustrate us, that get on our last nerves, that we don't want to deal with, that, that are like, man, I'd rather disassociate myself completely than actually walk in forgiveness, I realize that it's life, but many of us have, have hard things to face on a daily basis. But I think we all should be reminded of this. What we are facing is not even close to what we deserve. What we're facing is not even close to what we deserve. Jesus took what we deserve on Calvary's cross. He took it for us. He took what we deserve so that we could be made free. He took what we deserve so that the condition of our hearts could be transformed. 
See, I believe this morning that Jesus was crucified between two very guilty criminals to show us this powerful truth. That if all you want or desire is to be released from your penalty or from the consequences of your sin, the condition of your heart is in question. If all you want Jesus for is a get out of hell free card, then the condition of your heart is in question. She, Jesus did not just die to get you an escape plan from eternal damnation. He died for you so that your heart could be set free. So that your sins could be forgiven, but that your heart could be made whole to where one day you would be willing that when somebody disowns or discredits or does something against you that you didn't deserve, you'll be able to stand before God the Father and say, you know what, forgive them. Because they don't even know what they're doing right now. They don't even understand the pain that they're causing me, but God, would you please forgive them? Because that's what being like Jesus is all about. This morning, the condition of our hearts matter. The story continues, and it goes like this. They divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saves others, so let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. So the soldiers came and mocked him. Everyone is, is going off on Jesus. They offered him wine, and wine vinegar and said, if you really are the king of the Jews, then save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read this, this is the king of the Jews. And then one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. And this is the one side of the pendulum I want you to see, and we'll see the other side in just a second. He said, aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and save us. Mocking Jesus as he's hanging there with, with the same nails in his hands. He's got the nerve and the, the gall to look at the son of the living God who is beaten beyond recognition. The, the man who was whipped to the point of one more time and it could have killed him. The same man that, that blood was dripping from his hands, the same man that was hanging on the cross trying to keep his breath because it was suffocating him. And he's hanging on the same cross looking at Jesus and said, why don't you save yourself? Because he was in the middle of his consequence and it revealed something about him. See, if the condition of your heart is not right, you can be an eyewitness to the miraculous and be blind to what's actually taking place. If your heart is not in the right condition, then you can be a witness to what the redemption plan and salvation plan of all humanity is happening right before your eyes and you don't even see it. If your heart is in the wrong place, then you can have the grace and the forgiveness offered to you and you'll mock it if your heart's not in the right place. See, young person, I'm going to invite the band to come. As I close, this Easter, I believe that God is wanting you and I to realize that there is a major difference between being busted and being repentant. There's a big difference between being busted and being repentant. I can tell you from experience. Come on now. Let's get an amen in the house. I have been busted, caught red-handed. I have been, oh man, it, it was bad. I walked in and mom had that look on her eyes where Jesus had talked to her, right? 
Jesus had let her know the details, and all of a sudden, I'm in the middle of the room like, oh, I've got nowhere to run. I've got nowhere to hide because I am busted. And then there's been that moment where I've been confessing, repentant, heartbroken. I can't believe I did this. And I, I had to spill my guts to the, to the first person I could trust because I had to get the release and the forgiveness. And God, I don't want to be like this anymore. And there's a huge difference between being busted. See, when you're busted, being caught and being sorry are two different ends of the spectrum. When you're caught and you're not repentant, you're like this first thief. A lot of times when we get busted, we say things that are pretty dumb. We mouth off when we've got no right. We, we, in anger, anger is a huge red flag of guilt. If, you, if your parents catch you in a lie, man, it is not a good time to get angry. We lie and make things worse when we're busted. We blame shift and point fingers. Adam in the garden was like, God, she did it. Right? They were busted. Uh, you know, this woman you gave me. Pushing the blame on somebody. Wait a second. I remember one time very vividly and specifically when I got busted, my mom had a come to Jesus moment with me. And I'm like, oh, you know, I put on the night. Oh, oh. And, you know, I cried for a little bit so that I could buy some time to think of a story. I'm thinking, mommy, I'm so, mommy. I'm saying the word mommy to my, I'm a, I'm a teenager. Mommy. It was my best friend, Bobby. He got me down this path. I don't know why I listened to him. I started coming up with this stuff, right? That's what happens when you're on that side. You begin to make, you dig the hole deeper. You make it worse. You, you look at Jesus and the sacrifice that he's made for you. You say, you know what? I'll save myself in this situation. If you're not going to save me, then I'll save myself. The first thief was blind to his Redeemer being crucified right next to him. His focus was on being freed from the consequences and not the remorse of his moral failure. Not the desire for being forgiven and restored, but his desire was to not feel the pain of his own mistakes. See, what breaks my heart for every person in this room that can relate to this first thief is if we are not careful about the condition of our hearts, we who are in all reality powerless will try to face the penalty we deserve alone and without Jesus. If we're not careful, we'll do just what this thief did. And instead of recognizing the sacrifice that was made for us, we'll look at it and we'll mock it. See, when your eyes are open to your own sin, you can begin to realize the weight of your guilt and begin to see the pain of your, that your actions have caused. You become willing to embrace the price that was paid to make things right. See, the story continues and it says this, but the other criminal, and I pray that every single person in this room would be like this other criminal. He said, don't you fear God. He said, since you are under the same sentence, we're punished justly for what, what we have done 
Our deeds deserve this. But this, what this man has done, he's done nothing wrong. And then he said this, he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Remember me. I need you. Will you remember me? And Jesus answered him, truly, I tell you today that you will be with me in paradise. See, if the condition of your heart is correct and you come to the throne of grace with boldness and confidence saying, Jesus, I know what I've done. I know what I deserve. And I don't want what I deserve because I know that you've paid the penalty for me. Will you remember me? That's a stark contrast between being busted and being repentant. See, if we realize, listen to this young person, the second thief helps us learn this powerful truth. If we can realize what we deserve, it can change the way we live from this moment forward. It can change everything. Because the second thief, he realized that he deserved what he was getting. He deserved the penalty. But he asked Jesus, will you remember me? And he said, soon, today, you'll live with me in paradise. Which changed his entire future, his entire eternity. So right now, I want to invite you to stand to your feet. I want you to bow your hearts, close your eyes. This morning, Jesus wants to let you know that he did die for your sins. Every punch to his face, every lash, that every scar that was done on his back, every opening that poured out blood from his body, every nail that was pounded into his hands, into his feet, he did that for you. Because he loves you. He did that, like Juan said, while you were yet a sinner. He chose to be penalized. To be placed in the position that you deserved. So this morning, each and every one of us have a choice. Will we be the grateful, repentant, changed heart, set free for all eternity type of person? Each and every one of us are condemned. Not a single one of us have fallen short of perfection. We've all fallen short of perfection. None of us have been perfect. But today, Jesus Christ has given us an opportunity. Will we accept it or reject it? So with every head bowed and every eye closed in this room, you're in this room and this morning you'd say, Pastor Jonathan, for the longest time, for the longest time, I've known the truth of what Jesus has done for me. But just to be honest with you, Pastor, instead of being um, repentant, I've been the person who just got busted. Instead of changing the condition of my heart and allowing this gospel message to change how I react, how I how I treat people, how I forgive, instead of letting it pierce the depth of who I am. I've just come up with excuses. This morning, you've got an opportunity. You're, you're in this room and you'd say, Pastor Jonathan, I've never accepted Jesus as my Lord and Savior. I've never asked him to forgive me because I felt way too guilty to ask for forgiveness. Jesus loves you. 
He cares about you. He died for you. You may have been in the middle of your sin even this morning. He died for you so that you could be set free. If you're in this room this morning and you want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life, with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to raise your hand and hold it high so I can see it right now. Come on, let's see it. Jesus, thank you for these awesome individuals who are giving their hearts to you right now. You want to make them Lord of your life. Jesus, I'm so sorry. I've been busted and it hasn't changed the condition of my heart. And I want that to change this morning. I don't want to be the thief that mocks you anymore. I want to be a different person starting on Resurrection Sunday. Starting on the day that that we celebrate where you changed all of history. I want it to change today. One last chance. If that's you, raise your hand and hold it high. I want to pray with you. Thank you, God. All right, everybody in this room, say it loud and say it proud. Dear Jesus, this morning we recognize what you did for us on Calvary's cross. We thank you, Jesus, for taking the penalty that we deserved. God, I repent. I'm sorry for all the sins that I've committed, for all the ways that I've fallen short from being obedient to your word. God, forgive us. Set us free. May the same power that raised you from the dead come to life in me this morning. God, change me. Change my heart. And I'll serve you from this point forward for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And everybody shouted, amen, amen. Amen. Praise God. Praise the Lord. We're going to go out with one last song. I want to invite the adult leaders to come. And what we're going to do is it's just going to be an open altar. If you need prayer this Easter Sunday, the power of God is available to meet your every need. But let's do this. If you're not going to come and and get prayer for, for something this morning, I want us to have one last incredible celebration of what Jesus has done for you and for me. Can we do that this morning? So let's lift up our voice. Let's sing out a shout of praise. And let's worship Jesus for all that he's done for us. And if you need prayer, come quickly and we'd love to pray with you.
Down. 